Well, good morning and welcome to our home as we celebrate Easter weekend and some time together. I'm having some technical difficulties in that I'd hope to do this on my iPhone for some better music video, but I'm having difficulty signing on to the web page that way. So we're going to use the laptop and I apologize if the audio gets distorted. For those of you who are watching who are members of the Paradise Adventist Church, there were some difficulties receiving the e-bulletin this week, and I'd like you to uh, take a look in your spam folder or your junk folder. That's where I was able to, to find my e-bulletin. There are some important announcements there. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, we've had a couple of members who have passed away. Uh, with uh, the loss of Marna Benton and also with Bonnie Prout's husband, Jerry, and the information on how to contact them to share your condolences is posted in the e-bulletin. Uh, on another note, you'll see in the e-bulletin uh, information about an upcoming uh, evangelistic series that's going to be done online, and this is very short notice. It begins uh, on the 17th. There's information there about how to sign up. And also, if you would like to participate and come alongside people who are having questions, there is some video uh, information that uh, needs to be shared with you. There's video learning uh, to help you prepare for that experience. And uh, you can get in touch uh, with uh, Chris Garrick through the church office number to get more information on that. So that'll be uh, our announcements for today. And uh, let's turn our thoughts to the time that we have at hand. In the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, we worship online and in our homes. We do this to practice physical distance so that we limit the spread of disease. Worshiping together online meeting for prayer groups and Bible study with Zoom and other platforms and taking time to call or text each other is how we go about maintaining social connectedness. And I'd like us to, to realize that we're talking about physical separation, but social connectedness. I'd like to rewrite the social distancing that's been published. We want to stay connected because it's necessary to maintain our sense of community and support our desire to minister to each other. Now, our typical order of service when we come to the Sabbath for communion and the Lord's Supper has been to, first of all, have a homily and then foot washing and then partaking of the emblems of communion followed by a hymn. We also collect an offering for member assistance at the end. But because the message that I want to share today covers the passages in John that span the time frame from just prior to the Lord's Supper until they reach Gethsemane, I want us to reverse the order of service. I will begin with the communion service and end with a homily and a hymn. I would like to invite you to a different expression of communion today in the familiarity of your own homes. Because of the risk of community transmission of the current coronavirus, we're not going to be having elders leading out with in-home communion and providing you with kits that have 
grape juice and wafers. I want you to use bread and drink that you already have in your kitchen. Jesus repurposed certain articles for the Passover supper to give them a new meaning. And this record has been handed down to us by the gospel writers and Paul in his writings. And it is consistent with Jesus's example that we take the steps that I'm proposing for your communion service at home today. Whether you have purchased some grape juice or just have water, both are symbols that Jesus used to describe aspects of his character. In our church, we have focused on the layered meaning of using wafers without yeast, yet Jesus also spoke of himself as the bread of life. So I encourage you to use bread, unleavened bread that you may have made, or crackers you have on hand as we go ahead with this service. In a time of sandals and dusty roads, Jesus demonstrated service and humility by washing the dirty feet of his disciples. Some of you may have already washed each other's feet in your homes in anticipation of this service. However, in a time when we are hyper aware of transmitting viral illness by touching infected surfaces and then touching our faces, excellent hand hygiene will save lives. So let us take the time to thoroughly wash our hands with soap and water as an act of caring for ourselves, our households, and our community. Cindy is going to play while I wash my hands in preparation for partaking of the emblems, and I invite you to do the same. This is also a time to examine ourselves and offer repentance before we enter into this service. Thank you. 
And I have here some grape juice and some unleavened bread that Cindy made this morning. So let's have prayer over the emblems. Father, we acknowledge your selfless love wrapped in the gift of your son, Jesus. We present these emblems of drink and bread made significant by the meaning given by Jesus and by his life, death, and resurrection. We commit our lives in loving service to each other so that your name may be praised. Amen. And Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26, shares this, and I'm reading from the Good News Bible. For I received from the Lord the teaching that I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took a piece of bread, gave thanks to God, broke it, and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is God's new covenant, sealed with my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in memory of me. This means that every time you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What can it mean to proclaim the Lord's death if not to exuberantly express our praise and thanks to God for his mercy and loving kindness. Let us clearly state our gratitude that our salvation is solely dependent on who God is and his righteousness. As it says in Ephesians 2 verses 6 through 9, for it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift so that no one can boast about it. Some translations put it as the gift of God. And if Bible translators editorialized in type, these words would be in all capital letters. Our salvation is the most amazing gift God has given, full stop, period. So let's take the time to eat the bread or crackers that you've prepared and drink your water or juice or whatever liquid you have brought that represents Jesus' life, which was given to expose the power of love over death. In medical school, at the end of six quarters of basic sciences, 
we were given two weeks off of classes to study for our written boards. Besides taking the time to study on our own, our class invited some of our professors to come in the evenings to deliver highly condensed summaries of the most important information as a review. As I read John chapters 13 to 17, I see Jesus leading his disciples in a comprehensive review of what they needed to know. Come take a look at this portion of scripture and see if you agree. Place yourselves as an observer on the night of the Last Supper. With time at a premium, what were the key messages that Jesus delivered both before and especially after supper? Note that John denotes twice as much space to this time frame as any of the other Gospels. We study the passages in John, but too often we separate them from their context. As I review this material, take the next step and recognize the loving heart of Jesus as he shared vital thoughts with his most intimate group of disciples. You may want to open your Bibles to John chapter 13 and kind of follow along, or you may want to take some notes or just sit back and listen as I review the sequence of events and the context for some of these well-known passages. Observing Jesus's actions and reading his words, I came up with a list of 12 items. Remember, this wasn't a three-point motivational lecture. These are crucial concepts and information for his disciples, as well as for us today. Number one, Jesus demonstrated selfless service. Knowing the importance of loving service and humility, Jesus exposed their pride by washing the dust off their feet. Number two, all of us matter. Even Judas mattered to Jesus. By announcing the presence of a betrayer, Jesus made it clear he was not naive to the presence of danger. It was also a call to the heart of Judas that there was still time to repent of his planned actions. Number three, relating in love is a trademark of the disciples of Jesus and is more important than knowing all the information. Treating each other with loving kindness is more desirable than having a greater command of biblical knowledge. Behavior, not information, was to be the identifying mark of his disciples. See John 13, verses 34 and 35. And now I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. If you have love for one another, then everyone will know that you are my disciples. Number four, a true friend will warn you of personal danger. Going on in chapter 13, verses 36 to 38, Jesus warned Peter of his vulnerability. Pastor Steve unpacked the undoing or unwinding of Peter and found great news for each of us in rewinding the sequence, and he shared that insight with us last week. 
Number five, Jesus will acknowledge your anxiety and speak to your fears. They heard the words, betrayer. They heard, I'm leaving. They were gripped with anxiety and possibly panic. This is the context of these very familiar words in John 14. Do not be worried and upset. Believe in God and in me. There are many rooms in my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you. I wouldn't tell you this if it were not so. Once it is ready, I will return for you. Jesus builds this picture on a familiar Jewish practice. Once a man was engaged or betrothed to a woman, he returned home to his father's house to build on a room, a room he and his wife would live in once they were married. Number six, actions reveal our connections and substance. If you have seen me, you have seen the father. Because he lived connected to his father, his actions demonstrated the loving character of his father. Number seven, love, not duty, motivates healthy obedience. John 14, verses 15 through 17. Love for Jesus motivates obedience to his commandments. Living out of love produces health. Living out of fear and obligation or in an effort to manipulate God is inconsistent with the life of a disciple of Jesus. Number eight, you'll need help. I am sending a comforter to reveal truth to you. Number nine, remain. Remain connected to Jesus as a vine remains connected to the branches so that you will grow and bear fruit. Number 10, Jesus was honest about the difficulties and unfairness that lay ahead, yet promised provision. You are going to face trouble. I have provided for that in advance. The Holy Spirit will come to fulfill and expand access to the loving heart of God once I leave. John 15, 18. Number 11, Jesus was honest about suffering ahead. He was confident in ultimate victory for him and his followers. John 16, 33. The world will make you suffer, but be brave. I have defeated the world. Number 12, Jesus prayed for those most dear to his heart. His prayer for them was to experience what he had already experienced. And here we have it in John chapter 17. He prayed for what was most important. He prayed for their union to be in him as his reality was based on a deep connection to his father. Jesus knew that his time with the disciples was short. They were about to have their world rocked as they witnessed his trial, humiliation, and crucifixion. 
he packed into a single evening what was most important for them to remember. This was their review for the final exam they were unaware was coming. Jesus gave this condensed review in spite of their arguments over who was greatest. Luke shares that detail. He couldn't wait for them to be in the right mindset. There was crucial information to review and to share, misunderstandings to clear up, objectives to set, and he had precious little time in which to do it. Despite the urgency of the moment, I see his tenderness. He shared words of comfort to relieve their fear and anxiety. He assured them of his love for them, of the certainty of his victory, and of his provision of a comforter. Jesus knows that when we focus on what the enemy hits us with, causing fear, uncertainty, and anxiety, that we need to focus on something better. And he does this in many ways. The enemy gets us all stirred up with a pandemic. But Jesus promises the comfort of his Holy Spirit to each of us. Spending time reading his word and opening our hearts to him in prayer are daily necessities to experience his comforting presence and healing ministry. Appropriate intentional self-care is a key component of resiliency in the midst of trauma. Too often the urgency of traumatic situations causes me to do the urgent rather than the important. I tend to worry, to become anxious about what I know and what I don't know, and to neglect the basic anchors in my life. We all need time for connecting with our family and close friends, time to feed our spiritual beings as well as our physical bodies. Taking control of the little we can control makes us better able to cope with what we do not control. When anxiety and fear strike, pray. Meditate on a favorite verse of scripture. Exercise, rest, and choose healthy meals. Most of us tend to skip over prayer time, cut short sleep, reduce exercise, worry, and reach for foods high in fat and sugar for an artificial lift. It occurs to me that in our current isolation and the mounting fear of an illness with no cure provided, just a little insight might be gained on how the disciples felt. The darkness, fear, and crushing disappointment and defeat that that group of first century disciples must have felt as they sheltered in place in the upper room on Passover Sabbath as Jesus lay in the tomb. I don't know much, I don't know how much of what Jesus shared on Thursday night came to their minds, but I'm pretty sure that they remembered the loving emotion with which he delivered it. Clearly, Peter understood the loving gaze that broke his heart. They sheltered in place, fearing for their very lives. Now that you and I have known perhaps a shadow of what it feels like to fear for our lives, 
to fear for uncertainties caused by this pandemic and to shelter in place, I invite you to revisit those scenes in your mind on this Sabbath, the day before we celebrate a triumphant resurrection on a holiday we call Easter. Consider the heart of Jesus as he spoke that night after the Last Supper. Be reminded of the love that drove his discourse and his path to Gethsemane and then Calvary. Let our hearts be broken anew by his loving gaze. I would like to close with a favorite hymn. I apologize if the sound quality doesn't come so well. We struggled with this, so we're going to sing for you, Give Me Jesus. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your amazing gift, the gift of your Son, the gift freely offered to each of us of salvation in you. Thank you for the Sabbath, for this weekend, for this reminder, not only of your sacrifice, but of your triumphant victory over death and the grave. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Very generous.